0: Welcome to our Transgender School podcast.
1: We're here to talk about diverse transgender identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates.
0: We'll also discuss current events, welcome guests, and share actions you can take to support trans
1: people. I'm Bridget, and my daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman about four years ago when she was 19 years old. I was totally unprepared, but I have learned a lot since then. And now Jackie and I are passionate about sharing what we've learned.
0: When I came to terms with being trans, I realized that I absolutely needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now that a few years have passed, things have gotten somewhat easier, and I want to help other trans people navigate their own unique experiences. Welcome to episode 17 of the Transgender School podcast. Trigger warning. Today we are going to talk about some pretty upsetting topics, so if you are not in the mood to get upset, angry, don't listen to or watch this episode. With that said, today we're going to talk about anti-trans legislation in a number of states across the country. And I know my mom did a lot of research in advance of this episode, so I'm going to hand it off to her and
1: we will go from there. Thank you, Jackie. Yes. And I agree with the trigger warning, because basically transgender people and transgender youth in particular are under attack. And politicians, conservative politicians are using them as pawns in their political game. And we're going to address that very directly and the ways that they're doing that and the harm that that is causing, because it's causing significant harm that we have evidence of, such as 150 percent increase in calls to the Trevor Project suicide hotline, which is to help LGBTQ, to support LGBTQ people who are considering suicide and the increases in suicidal ideation and depression and anxiety and concern for safety, concern for having one's family potentially put in prison for providing gender-affirming care. These are all very, very upsetting things, but these are the factors that are involved in the legislation that we're going to talk about today. And I just want to frame what we're talking about today by saying that there's so much to it. We will try to stay focused. It changes regularly. Today is April 9th, and today is a big day because yesterday, one of the most You know, comprehensive anti-trans pieces of legislation was signed by the governor of Alabama, K.I.V., and that's why I'm pretty riled up today about it. I've been posting on social media and and seeing what other people are posting on their feed. And so we're going to start with that and look at what does that legislation look like? What does it say? And how is that an example of what many other politicians are proposing in a variety of states? We are focusing on the U.S., but we know that anti-trans action is happening all over the world. So we hope that this is relevant for everyone. So we're going to try to share what the politicians are arguing for, and part of my agenda is how it's all based on lies. I want to show you how everything that they're saying is a lie. There's no evidence. In fact, there's counter evidence for everything that Republicans, conservatives are saying to back up their anti-trans legislation and what actual needs and medical care and rights of transgender people are and should be. And so especially for those of you who are engaging in these conversations with people who don't understand, because it can be very confusing. And the people on the extreme right are saying things like, we're trying to protect kids, we're trying to prevent violence, and it's the opposite of what they're actually doing. So it's very confusing, and we're going to try to make it clear for you. What do you think, Jackie?
0: I think that sounds great. And I just want to add up front that we talk about this a lot, but I think it's important to say it. All trans people deserve access to health care at no cost to them or their families. All trans people deserve access to trans-affirming health care and doctors and therapists who have experience working with trans people and any legislation that tries to prevent trans people, whether they are minors or whether they're adults from accessing that health care is an actual act of violence against the trans community, given what we know the outcomes to be when trans people are denied healthcare. So just want to make sure we're being clear about where we stand on that up front, even though many of you who've listened to us before uh, probably know that.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. No, thank you for clarifying. That is our position. We are transgender school. You know, if you don't know us already, we're doing a lot of transgender education and advocacy. Please listen to the rest of our podcast episodes. And yes, we stand firm and stand strong in our position on that. And so that's why these bills are such a concern for us. So let's talk about our not friend, Kay Ivey, uh, governor of Alabama. And so she signed a piece of legislation yesterday that I'll give a couple of descriptions. I have like a ton of articles that I consulted, but the policies attempt to make providing gender affirming care a felony to cut off access to nearly every support system that transgender and non-binary youth have. So what it does is it criminalizes Providing gender-affirming medical care creates the potential for parents to be put in jail, parents and doctors and nurses to be put in jail for up to 10 years simply for, for, for providing what is known to be absolutely safe, necessary, Evidence-based, proven, effective, supported by all legitimate medical professionals, right? Medical care for transgender youth. So it it criminalizes that, right? So in addition, it bans K through 12 students from using bathrooms and school facilities consistent with their gender identity. It enacts a bill similar to the one we saw recently enacted in Florida, which is known as the Don't Say Gay or Trans bill for classroom instruction about LGBTQ people. People, right? So it's censoring teachers and saying you can't even say there are LGBTQ people in the world. Um, so criminalizing doctors, and so it's pretty comprehensive, it's pretty extreme. You know, again, the trigger warning, it's very, very upsetting. Again, the calls to suicide hotlines are increasing dramatically. I'm reading articles where teens are saying, I'm terrified, I'm going to stop transitioning because I'm so afraid they're going to put my parents in jail. I'm so afraid they're going to take me out of my home and put me in foster care because this is what they're actually trying to do. Even though there's absolutely no evidence that it's harmful in any way, there's this crazy idea that has no backing that somehow this is protecting. These kids, and it's not. These are decisions that are made in consultation with many, many professionals within the family, with parents and their kids who take everything into account. And it is not the place of of the government to say that that is is criminal, and they have no evidence or backing to say to suggest that that is true. Jackie, thoughts?
0: You said it. I mean, that's it's really beyond me um, how these. Governors and politicians can write this legislation and pass it in good faith. And I don't think they're doing it in good faith. I think a lot of them know better. I think a lot of them know that these are wedge issues and that if they can go to their base to raise money and win their next primary and say, I don't support letting young boys play on the girls' soccer team or however they want to phrase it, it works. A lot of American voters are pretty simple about what they vote on the basis of. And it's, it's hard to get around that. It's really depressing. And we're, we're headed to a really bad place with a lot of these bills. And we're really increasingly headed to a place where we have two Americas. One one America where you can get an abortion, one where you can get trans health care, one where you can't get any health care, one where you can't. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Um it's going to take a lot to reverse that trend because these bills are a real sign that we're headed in the wrong direction in a lot of ways right now.
1: Absolutely. And if, if anybody listening thinks that, you know, what Jackie's saying is questionable or, you know, is skeptical about that, there's a lot of evidence for this. There are political strategists out there actually literally writing and saying, you know, you're more likely to get more votes from the ultra conservative if you support this anti trans legislation. And these, these politicians absolutely know that they know nothing about transgender people, their care. They, they don't know or care about or have any interest in actually getting to know the science and the experience and the, the emotional you know, journey of being transgender and transitioning. They're purely just trying to get more votes because they will get more of the ultra right-wing, ultra conservative voters to support them if they are enacting this legislation. They could not care less. This is how heartless these people are. They could not care less that it will absolutely result in death. This is why we had the trigger warning. It's going to result in more suicide, terrified, anxious kids who are Watching this on the news and in fear of being taken away from their families just because they're transgender. And it probably, here's what I want to say. (laughs) Okay. It's hard enough to be transgender if you're a kid. You know that you're going to have to go through a lot to be accepted and supported. And you may have already been through a lot to help your family understand and get them to be affirming. A lot of families are not affirming. If you're lucky enough to be in an affirming family who's educated themselves, who understands the the absolute necessity of transgender care, and they you know are supporting you and getting you the care they need, that's probably been enough, right, of a... Difficult experience, and now your government is saying they're going to split up your family and put those people in jail? Can you even imagine how that feels? And I just want to bring up some of the ludicrousness of some of these arguments. I want to throw in this awful person marjorie taylor green who i i cringe to even say her name but what she is saying here's what she's actually saying this is a quote from her this is such perversion it's grooming children it's grooming them to believe things that are lies and that are completely wrong no children are born a certain way thinking they're another gender it's their parents that are training them that way it's those listen to this how could anyone think this i just don't understand it's their parents that are training them that way. It's these mothers that think it's like a handbag. They need to have a boy, a girl, and a trans child, like as if they are some kind of accessory. So she's telling us, and I can tell you, I know people don't like to hear this, but I am part of support groups, Facebook groups, friend groups where I know tons and tons of parents of trans kids. Do you know what parents of trans kids usually experience when their trans kid comes out? They're terrified. They're in fear. They are not supportive a lot of the time. Jackie and I have talked openly about how unsupportive I was, how I have never, ever, ever in all this immersion of families with transgender kids heard of anybody who wanted to make their kid trans and made their kid trans. It's just insane. There's no evidence of that ever happening ever. But people like Marjorie Taylor Greene are going around spouting this and saying that us parents are making our kids trans, which is just crazy, and that we're harming them and we're we're mutilating them. I mean, these are just vicious, horrible lies from someone who has no idea, no compassion, no understanding of the truth.
0: Well, and I, I think the Marjorie Taylor Greene quote is especially representative of how this anti-trans legislation and, and this anti-trans sentiment that is being really stirred up in America right now is representative of a larger ideology that is increasingly divorced. I mean, you talk about how we have evidence. We have all the evidence. It doesn't matter. We have all the peer-reviewed research. It doesn't matter. And I I think that this legislation and where we're at with the the trans rights conversation and the fight for trans rights at a state-by-state level in the United States is very representative of the evolution of this ideology. I mean, if you go back to 2010, the debate... Don't ask, don't tell still hadn't been repealed. And the debate was over at a Republican primary. The debate was over. Don't ask, don't tell. And there was a veteran who was gay who had served in, I think it was Iraq. Um, And he asked a question at the Republican primary and he was booed by the audience. I mean, a Republican, (laughs) an audience full of Republicans booed a veteran who had served in Iraq under a war initiated by a Republican president just because he was gay. So I think that that was, you know, it was clear to Republican politicians for a long time that this is an issue that they could capitalize on. And as this strain of, as this ideology of, The government is run by pedophiles and child abusers and people who drink the blood of children and worship Satan. As that ideology has grown and morphed into QAnon, which Marjorie Taylor Greene supports, it becomes very convenient to that ideology to take the fight for trans rights and to take uh, providing access to trans health care for trans kids and to spin it as, look, this is exactly what we said. These Democrats are grooming children and abusing children and they make it all political when it's really about the lives of trans kids and it's about their health outcomes. But the politicians who are doing that don't really care because it's about maintaining power for them. And this is an issue that works for them and works for their base. And so they will continue pushing on it at whatever cost, just like they will continue pushing on abortion and voter rights. And it's really scary. I don't know where we're going to end up as a country. I think we're going to increasingly have these these two Americas, one where you have some rights and one where you have other rights, then I don't I don't know how sustainable that is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people don't I mean, we're lucky to be in California, but people there are trans people everywhere. And people can't move out of their state, you know, just because they need to have access to the medical care that they should have. I wanna make sure we do two things in the rest of the conversation is one, I want to compare the lies to the truth of what trans care uh, affirming trans care actually looks like, because there's so many lies about it, right? That it's, kids are having surgery at four, being mutilated at five years old. And like, there's so many lies and people are believing these things because they don't know. They're not looking for that, the legitimate information. And then I want to talk about the fight against all of this, because there's some good news on that side. There's some good work being done by the good people of the ACLU and Lambda Legal and people like Chase Strangio. And I want to just briefly, and, and Sam Ames, the Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the Trevor Project. So I want to talk a little bit about that so we leave people with some hope. But let's compare the lies to the truth. Kids are not having surgery when they're transgender, okay? If a kid comes out, and we're seeing this more and more, not because it's Any more than it ever was, but because people are understanding it a little more. And parents, you know, younger parents are even saying to their kids, you know, you can let me know if you have these feelings, which we believe is wonderful. And so parents, in fact, I recently had a conversation with someone who said that she read her, I want to say four or five-year-old, a book about transgender people And he looked at her and said, that's me. You know, I've been feeling this and thinking this and I didn't know how to tell you. And she had no idea. The mom had no idea. And it's years later and he's her son, He is a transgender male child, and she's so thankful that she read him that book. And now I'm sure the other side would say that book made him trans. Yeah, right. We can't even make our kids eat broccoli, okay? A book is going to make a kid trans because we're exposing our kids to literature. It's ridiculous, right? It's a ridiculous argument. So here's what happens in a case like that, right? All that happens is the child is permitted, as they should be, to express their identity the way that feels right and authentic for them. So if this is a transgender boy at four or five, his mom his parents are going to ask, you know, what would you like to wear? Maybe he wants to wear more, you know, what we would think of stereotypically boy clothes. He wants to wear cargo shorts and T-shirts. He wants to cut his hair short, right? So he's going to be allowed to do that. It's called social transition. He may decide to keep doing that. He may decide a week later he wants to wear a dress, but he still feels like a boy. An affirming parent allows the child to explore that and to to make it all, you know, just totally normal and natural and safe to be able to do that, right? If the child gets to uh, the age of puberty, the child in consultation with doctors and the child and the parents, the child may decide that they want to go on what are called puberty blockers and all that is is a pause button it allows the child to have a little bit more time before they potentially go into the wrong puberty which is very traumatic as Jackie can tell you and many trans people can tell you if they could go back and have puberty blockers they would give anything to do it right Jackie's nodding that is correct yeah and so no surprise right but we didn't know and so anyway so puberty blockers People listen. They're totally safe. They're totally there's nothing irreversible about them. Your child could be a child could be on puberty blockers for, I don't know, a couple years, right? Go listen to the podcast episode we have with Dr. Joe Johanna Olson Kennedy because she talked about this and she She gave more of the medical perspective, but they're totally safe. They've been used for a long time. They're used for kids in precocious puberty where they have early onset of puberty to stop their puberty. They've been used for decades for that, safely and medically approved, right? They have all the necessary approval. So they can also be used to help trans kids to buy a little bit more time to figure it out, right? So it's not until well into teen years, puberty, and this is after going through social transition, going through puberty blockers, you know, getting lots of mental health support, lots of medical support, parents of kids, open conversations, that then a decision might be made about going on hormones. And then as far as I understand, surgery is not an option until pretty much 18 or later. So yeah, if I you're there's hearing- some
0: case, I think there's some rare cases where people get surgery at 17, maybe 16, but definitely- not until they're 18 and like almost every
1: case. And the road to doing that is very long. You cannot just say, Oh, I'm going to have gender confirmation surgery and show up tomorrow. I mean, most of the doctors who do it, years long process. So all these people who are like, Oh, what if they change their mind? Believe me, they had plenty of time before from when they decided they wanted surgery to the years later, they're actually able to get surgery to be sure to be a hundred percent sure and a, tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people ever regret it. Um, less than 1%. And, and there are all kinds of complicated things going on there with religion and, you know, and lack of support that we don't even know. If we
0: were banning medical procedures by regret rates, then trans surgeries and medical procedures would be at the bottom of the list. So we'd have to start with a lot of plastic surgery and Botox and other things. And there's not, that's a whole other episode and no judgment to people who've done those things. But just there are other things that people do to their bodies and regret at much, much higher rates than people regret doing anything to transition. Yeah, we're, there's no big movement to ban those things.
1: Exactly. So now you can compare. So as Jackie's saying, there's no regret from what we see for the most part. It's done safely. We need to have these procedures studied and done safely and supported by our insurance. You know, the lies people out there saying kids are being mutilated. It's just not true. People saying that parents are making their kids trans. It's absolutely not true. It's insane. Another set of lies, Jackie, is the lies about protecting kids. So we know that language is used as a weapon to make people think that trans people are some kind of threat, and there's no evidence for this. There are not trans people hiding out in locker rooms and bathrooms to attack children. It is just not happening. This is a fear tactic that is based in zero reality. Like, it's quite the opposite Trans people I know, many have had conversations with me about how they're terrified to go in a bathroom. I just talked to a trans man who's like, I walked in the women's bathroom the other day, like out of habit, and everybody looked at me and freaked out. And just like, can you imagine the stress? And he ran out and like just... Can you imagine the stress? You just have to freaking pee and people are treating you like you're some kind of threat. It's the complete opposite. It's a lie. There is no evidence or there's any threat to kids. There is no protecting kids. I was talking about this with my parents today and my dad was saying how governor was surrounded by people and kids saying protect kids when he signed the anti-trans legislation like this is protecting kids. And it's just a lie. Right, Jackie?
0: Yeah, they're full of shit. For lack of a better
1: phrase. I mean, there's not. Find us a shred of evidence to show that any of these bills protect any kids anywhere. It just isn't there. Okay. Yes, I'm very angry. I'm very riled up. Okay. So, Jackie, I do want to talk about how there are many people on the optimistic side, on the side of hope. There are many people fighting hard. There are people dedicating their whole career, every minute of their life to fighting these bills, to bringing lawsuits in these states, right? Follow Chase Strangio if you're not. Follow these folks. And also people sending messages of hope. I want to read this because it was in one of the articles that I found. Sam Ames, Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the Trevor Project. He said, they will not succeed. They will not succeed. There is no legal basis for so much of this. Know that. He said to trans and non-binary youth in Alabama and across the country watching on this dark day, this is not over. We will fight as far as it takes until the day every young person knows they are loved, supported, and worthy just as they are. We are here with you today. We're here for you every day. and We're not going anywhere. And we say that to you too. Like you... Children, youth, you have enough going on. You do not deserve to be attacked in this way. We are going to fight for you. The people with legal skills and power are going to fight for you. There are people in your states, even if your governors and your politicians are horrible people who don't care about your life and your safety and your your right to be who you are. We care. So many people out there care and are fighting hard for you. I'm sorry to cry, but it's just so horrific to me. It's so heartbreaking and unbearable. you talk, Jackie?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think you said it all. If you, I mean, if you live in one of these states, if you know people who live in one of these states, it does matter when elected officials hear from their constituents. It does matter. So, You know, ask people, you know, to call, write letters, send emails, ask people, you know, to write letters and send emails to representatives in their state legislatures, to their governors. Um, Yeah, donate to organizations that are fighting these laws, donate to like the ACLU Trevor Project. Um, I think there's a couple trans specific ones um, that I'm just blanking on the exact names, but they're doing great work. Please donate to all the organizations that are out there doing the work to fight these laws. And yeah, we're going to have to do everything we can to fight these and to support queer people who are fleeing these states into places like California. I mean, living in San Francisco, I'm very conscious of the fact that we that's a big part of our history is that a big part of our history and a big part of who makes up the population of San Francisco today is queer people fleeing from states that were not safe and places and communities that were not safe where they did not have support from their families. They did not have support from their communities. They did not have support from, <laughs> support from the governments at a local or state level or a federal level for that matter. And so they came to San Francisco. And I think, unfortunately, San Francisco's not a place where young queer people who are fleeing those places can afford to land now, but I, whichever cities those are that are more supportive that people are fleeing to, I hope that we're able to organize effectively and, you know, financially support people who are leaving those places. Cause I think the unfortunate reality is that there's, there's going to be a lot of people who have no choice, but to leave to get the care that they need. Um, and we're going to have to support people who do that. Um, and we're going to have to create mechanisms for supporting people who do that in the same way that we do for people who need to travel across state lines to get abortion care. So I think that's where we're headed, unfortunately. But there's a lot of organizing and fundraising and all of that stuff to be done. And we will do all of that. We will we will not give up. We will fight these empty soups. Republicans and we will we will make sure that we get people the care they need um, however we can and we will try to minimize their damage but they will do damage and they are doing damage and they should be held accountable for that.
1: Yeah very well said and I want to read from one of the sources to build on what Jackie just said about some of the organizations. And this is in response right now, very present to this bill signed yesterday, April 8th by Governor Ivy. One of my sources says in response, major LGBTQ and civil rights organizations, including the Southern Poverty Law Center, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, the GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders, which is part of GLAAD and Human Rights Campaign, all announced that they're immediately going to act on challenging the bill. They're going to bring suits. They're going to be challenging it. And to give us hope, it says a state cannot criminalize parents and doctors for following medical guidelines and providing needed medical treatments. These are needed medical treatments that are proven necessary by doctors and health guidelines and standards that have been longstanding. Um, And this is a quote from Asaf Orr, the Senior Staff Attorney and Transgender Youth Project Director at the NCLR. This is a blatantly unconstitutional bill that will cause enormous stress and harm to Alabama families and cost Alabama taxpayers millions of dollars to defend. I cannot think of a worse waste of money, of taxpayer money, but it's going to cost that for to defend the rights of trans people to just exist and be who they are in the world. So know that the fight is on the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU of Alabama, Lambda Legal, Transgender Law Center, Cooley LLP announced today plans to file legal challenges to the legislation in Alabama. There's a big fight going on. Another quote says, if Alabama lawmakers insist on passing this cruel, dangerous, and unconstitutional legislation into law, the state will immediately have a lawsuit to, steal, to deal with. The Alabama legislature and Governor Kay Ivey will need to consider the time and resources they invest, not to mention the stain of discrimination that often means lost opportunity investment, and ask themselves if targeting the health care of children, of trans children, innocent trans children, is truly worth it, because, we are prepared to make that investment in order to protect transgender youth, their families, and their doctors in Alabama. So this is what our side is saying. This is what our supporters are saying and the fight that they're beginning to embark on. But we wanted to make you aware of all of this immediately. This will come out. You'll hear this podcast in a, in a couple weeks because it will be ongoing and other Politicians are watching closely to see how much these politicians can get away with to start proposing similar legislation in their states. So please stay informed, watch, write to your politicians, take action, protest with us.
0: And I think I've talked about this in a previous episode where we talked about similar issues. But in addition to organizing and letting your elected officials know how you feel, It seems like in a lot of cases, the thing that finally tips the balance, um, I mean, granted, Ron DeSantis is going to war with Disney right now. So I don't know (laughs) if this new brand of Republicans might be immune to even big business. But I mean, when, when there are businesses that donate to politicians who write these laws and pass these laws, if you support those businesses and you choose to stop supporting those businesses and let those businesses know, that makes a difference. And so I think try to be creative about how you advocate and how you spend your money. And, you know, like there's the low hanging fruit, like don't go to Chick-fil-A. But then there's other things like looking up like, oh, Home Depot donates a bunch of money to Republicans and things like that that you might not know about, but where you can try to direct your money a little bit more intentionally.
1: Please, please. Every time I drive by Chick-fil-A, I see a super long line and I just think, does everybody know? Did they know? Like Chick-fil-A is not only supporting Republicans, they're directly putting money into anti-LGBTQ policies and many other companies are as well. So please do your homework on that. We'll try to keep you informed, but it's easy enough to find out who are our allies and who are the ones who are attacking trans people and their rights. Not just like, you know what, just let us be. Can you just let us be? Like in all the research I did, there was one Republican politician who said, you know what, I don't understand trans people. I don't support trans people, but I see the connection between this legislation and their suicide rates, and I think they deserve to live. He literally said that, I don't remember the politician's name, and I probably got the quote not exactly right, but that was the spirit of it. So there are some people who are like, look, this is taking it a step too far. Like, just freaking leave us alone. You don't understand. You don't support... Go do your thing. Why would you have legislation to hurt people that is just to hurt people, that doesn't help anybody? Can you just leave us alone as we try to help our kids? We know you're not going to understand. We know you're going to remain ignorant and hateful and discriminatory and just think that white, cisgender, heterosexual people are the only people that deserve to live in the world. Uh, You Nazis, you know, fine. Think that. But leave us alone. You know, it's not right. I agree.
0: Thank you for listening, everyone. (laughs) I hope this was an informative episode. And please do try to think about something you can do, whatever that might be, to try to fight this.
1: Thanks, Jackie. I know you had a super busy day and I called on you to do a last minute podcast episode that you fit in because I was I've been so upset all day. About the, I've been so upset for months and years, but seeing more and more, the number of pieces of legislation goes up every month. Right? That's true. There are 240 anti-trans bill bills. Yeah, right I mean, now. I think
0: that's that's the problem. Is this the you ask who does this help? It helps exactly one group of people. It helps Republican politicians. It helps them raise money. It helps them distract their base from real issues. It helps them distract the media and everyone else. And um, so they, they will keep doing it as long as it keeps working for them.
1: Can you talk about that for just a minute more, Jackie, how it distracts their base from the real issues? Because that's really what's going on here. And people don't realize that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, we, we've talked about this. Um, I think that we are at a point in history where wealth inequality is the greatest it's been since right before the Great Depression. That is striking. Homelessness is getting worse. Uh, housing is getting less affordable. Very few people can afford to buy a home anymore as corporate landlords buy up more and more homes. And the kind of white picket fence American dream of owning your own plot of dirt becomes really out of reach for for almost everybody. And, th- and that makes people really angry and they don't know where to direct that anger and they don't quite understand why it's happening. And they kind of blame themselves a little bit because they think they didn't work hard enough. And then a politician comes along and tells them, Oh no, it's Democrats. It's wealthy coastal elite Democrats who want to, groom kids and take all your money and send all the jobs overseas <laughs> and all these things that are totally not accurate. And when in reality, it's the Republicans who are, who are doing the most to um, accelerate wealth inequality in the country. But if they can distract their base with culture war issues like abortion and trans rights, they will not have to talk about the real issues and they will not have to talk about the ways in which they are continuing to concentrate wealth and continuing to he rode away at America's middle class and continuing to stoke this really violent, angry base that that almost ended the peaceful transition of power on which our democracy is founded and uh, likely will do so sometime within my lifetime. And that that. I don't know. Yeah, we, we've reached over. We, we have this weird Thing as Americans, where we we think that our society is especially especially resilient in some way, and it's not. I think it's pretty fragile, and we're at a pretty bad place, and things could get a lot worse. I hope they don't, but they they very easily could. Sorry, that's what happens when you ask me to say a little bit more.
1: No, that's exactly what I wanted you to say, Jackie. You know that. You know what? We're we should be really transparent about our position here. And what we believe, what we know is going on in our country and in the world. And I think that is We should be focused to... on
0: the Starbucks workers who are unionizing. We should be focused on the fact that Amazon labor union just formed out of a warehouse in Staten Island, out of completely organic organizing. When has that happened in the past half century we should be focused on the fact that this could be a real turning point in history if we, if we organized around creating more economic mobility for more people in America. And we, like you said, just let trans people be and focused on the issues that really affect all of us.
1: Exactly. So thank you everybody for listening in about this very important topic and we will see you next time. Thanks everyone.
0: Thank you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more.
1: If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching. Make
0: sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month.